HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program was brought to you by Eat on North. Eat on North is a casual restaurant where honest, uncomplicated food is served without pretension. Find Eat on North at hotelonnorth.com. I'm Chris Guzmi. And I'm Mary Izette. From Fomentabody. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, April 25th. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find my work and me as at wordsfoodart.com. I'm 34, straight and single. And I'm Jonathan Weiner, your guest host for the day. I'm an actor, an occasional bartender and server, very occasionally. I'm 34, gay and single. Hi, John. Hi. So you're helping to kick off the third season yeah. of Love Bites, and uh, there's so much to talk about before we even get to our guests for the day. <laughs> Welcome in. Bienvenue. Thank you. I thought you were going to sing uh, Danke. Danke. Oh. <laughs> um, so, listeners, I'm so excited that we are back at Heritage Radio for our third season, and there's a lot that's going to come on this season that it might be new. First of all, Benjamin is not here, sadly. Sadly. sadly I'm your stand-in Jewish boy for the day. I have plenty of them in my back pocket. There's more coming. <laughs> there's more coming. So, uh, yeah, so Ben is off in Maine at the Public Theater doing a show there for the next couple of weeks. You will not be without him for too long, though. Next week, we have a pre-recorded show about going to your ex's wedding. Why is that? Jackie. Because I will be going to my ex's wedding. Uh-huh. Um, actually, with Ben in the wedding party and with you, Bubby, as my date. I know. Um, so yeah, this guy that we all went to college with. So next week, we've already recorded a show about going to your ex's wedding, and then we have guest Daniel Knighton on. He is a wedding officiant, and so he's going to talk about the things that you should talk about with your betrothed before you walk down the aisle. So that is coming. We have a new theme song. It's Give Love by Josh Dion, who we've been all listening to for over a decade now in New York City. Um, he's now with a band called Paris Monster. He tours with other bands. You can get information about him as, at parismonster.com. 
That Give Love is one of my favorite songs He's amazing. ever. And yeah, you just want to like so boogie your booty down yep. to Josh Dion. Which we so, were. We were just doing. Which we were just doing. So <laughs> thank you so much, Josh, for being our theme song for our third season. We also have travel shows coming up. I'm going to San Antonio. So Love Bites is going to go to San Antonio. And then a month later, we're going to go to Louisville. We have Our Bodies Ourselves coming up this season, where we are going to expand our relationship discussions to discussions about our bodies and how they affect dating and relationships and the work we do in hospitality, things like that. Perfect for bikini season. Perfect for bikini, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't even, I didn't even contemplate the idea of bikini season. Um, but yeah, so Our Bodies Ourselves is coming. And later after our break, we're going to be joined by Steve Vixjo and Lucas Vogler, two thirds of the team behind Jerry Magazine, a biannual print magazine that explores where food and gay culture intersect, which is really why I have you here, John. Uh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being my spokesperson. <laughs> um, and we're also going to sip and chat about Simi Winery's 2014 Dry Rosé 2. So that is coming up after the break. Stick around. But before we even get there, we are going to talk today about being friends with an ex in general because one of us, not me, has a story <laughs> to tell. But before we Guess even get to one. that, before we even get to that, uh, John, I have a question for you. And we're going to ask Steve and Lucas this later. Sure. What is the most stupid thing you've done on a first date? <laughs> I mean, uh, stupid is so relative. Stupid I mean, is, you know, stupid does. that's true, Mama. Um, uh, you know what? This is the most recent stupid thing that I've done uh, after this recent breakup that I've had. Uh, I've, I've decided to put myself out there and just you know, date you. whoever. Right, right. Yeah. Um, the stupidest thing right now was talking about my ex. Oh, you were one of those the entire time. No, what happened? It started innocent. We were talking about our exes, and then it just snowballed into. Well, let me tell you one more thing about him. Did let he me just tell you add on it. No, he was really nice. Did he nice. ask you out again? We did not have a second okay, date. Okay, that's what I think. Yeah, I was on the receiving. <laughs> but end of that, that is a, a stupid thing to do, and it just sometimes it just snowballs, do. and you can't you you know you can't help yourself. Things come up, and right. and they do something that reminds you of something stupid that you're your ex did. You're just making excuses. Just don't do it. I know you did it. I'm a horrible. Oh, person. You're a horrible person. I know. All right, <laughs> all right. Um, mine, I haven't done. I I mean, other than getting like so drunk on a first date that you're like, I love this guy. It's gonna be forever, and then like you never talk again, which we've all done several times that's not even the most stupid thing the most stupid is like i did three dates in one day once where mm -hmm. like it was an afternoon walk in the park and then drinks with a guy and then drinks with another guy after his show was done he you was an actor on broadway booked? i triple booked <gasps> but i felt bad with the second guy because he had just moved to new york a couple weeks ago and we went out for drinks and he was an actor and i'm used to like hour and a half two hour first date drinks and i could tell that at the end of that when i was like shit i gotta go meet my friend after his show to meet the third guy um that he was like, oh, and we even like took the same train north together. And then I got off at Lincoln Center to go meet a third guy. And I was more interested in the third guy anyway. I ended up dating the third guy. But yeah. I did feel bad later being like, oh, that was a not nice first date. No, you thing. know, this is a pa uh, fast paced city. You got to you got to book your dates when you can book them. So, yeah, as so many see, as you can. That's, there. That's, I don't blame what you I, at all. That's what I did. Well I done, Jackie. Welcome to my city. <laughs> yeah. OK, we're getting to our. So we're going to ask Steve and Lucas that question later. I can't wait to hear um, what they say. But before we get to that, John, so. Yes. How to be friends with an ex is Ugh. what I want to talk about today. So you might as well ask me the meaning of life because <sighs> well, they, first those of are all, all right. Questions. So you went through a breakup in February, yes. And you and I have talked at, at length about this in the past couple of weeks mm -hmm. about being friends with this person. <laughs> at length. At length about this. Many, many so bottles. So why, with this person specifically, do you feel like you needed to be friends with him? Do you have a <sighs> Do you have a name for him? Uh, I don't let, want to call let's him. Let's call out. him San Diego. San Diego. Okay. So do, why? So why do you feel like you need to be friends with San Diego? You know, I, I'm the kind of person that I, I I connect with somebody, and I, regardless of whether or not that relationship works, you connected for a reason. You know. Uh, if romantically you don't work out, there's still something there. There's still some kind of connection. So I'm not one to walk away from that. That's just me. 
um, this this guy in particular, uh, <laughs> we were pretty hot and heavy, and uh, we said the L word a couple times. And uh, so when it ended, I, you know, I, I, I still... You weren't ready for it to end. N- well, you know, when one person's ready to leave, you have to be mature enough and, and say, right, yeah, I accept that. But right, you accept it, but it doesn't mean you need exactly. to feel ready. Well, you know, I... Uh, there's there were still some kind of feelings for him, and I just didn't I didn't want to lose him entirely. Okay, I, you know, I was it was long distance, but I was prepared to you know not be romantic, but you know still have him. You and know. then over the period since February to now, mm-hmm. it's not been smooth sailing friendship wise. So what was he not giving you as a friend? That you felt that you needed? Uh, basically anything. I mean, I think the, the absolute minimum a friend gives you is a return of a text, a return of a phone call, any kind of kind of contact. Um, basically, all he wanted to be was friends on Facebook. Uh, when we, <laughs> when we Didn't initially, you unfriend him on I Facebook? I did. I did. When we initially broke up, I just feel like... You That's know, the first thing I do. For, it's yeah, like, exactly. you break up with me, for we are healing, done on Facebook. For the healing process, I don't want to see where you are. I don't want to see who you're with. And I don't want to see that you're having a good time because everybody puts, you know, the good pictures on Facebook. Nobody puts the I'm crying in a corner by myself listening to Celine I Dion. I, I maybe do. I'm just I, kidding. I, do I don't. All the time. Um, but uh, so I told him, I said, you know, I'm going to delete you, but it's for the healing process. It's nothing, you know, out of spite or juvenile. It's just this is why. And then when we started speaking again, you know, texting, he said, well, you just went away and you, you know, whatever you, you deleted me. I... I was, it but was he very, wasn't responding to you in with texts you were sending him or emails. No, you when were we decided him. when after the initial breakup, when we had radio silence for a while, then we started talking again, and we decided that we were going to be friends. So why do you still pursue someone though if they don't ah, respond? I do not. That's what happened. I uh, I basically said, you know, I know. I, I know you look at your phone. Everybody is attached to their phone. You know, you, <laughs> there's no way that you can go two days without seeing a text from somebody. So the fact that I wasn't hearing from him for two days, I was like, you know what? Clearly you're ignoring me. I'm done. I'm out. And you said that? Yep. When was this? This was uh, last week. Last week? Oh, yeah. so since you and I have talked. Wait, uh, so did uh-huh. you do it via text or you called him? I, I was I was not given the green light to call him. Oh, so you couldn't call him. Uh-uh. So you texted him. Uh-huh. And what did you say? Exactly. I, I just said, you know, I've tried. Uh, you know, you will always have a special place in my heart. Uh, I, I, I care about you. If you ever want to get in touch with me feel free i'm not going to put it out there anymore without any response from you it kind of just you know makes me feel worse than i already do that was very honest of you i'm glad that you said that versus what we were talking about last oh yeah you always want to say yeah you always want to like you know attack people and hurt them just as much as they hurt you but did he respond to that nope at all not at all nothing not at all how many days ago not even a thumbs up emoji Wow. How many days ago was that? Uh, about a week ago, about, you know, so how do eight you, or nine days ago. So how do you feel? Fine. You know, I, you know, it sucks that, you know, that happens. It's, it sucks that people just go away. Um, I, I, I never want to do that. I always feel like we connected for a reason. You know, if it's not romantic, then maybe it's friendly. My, my best friend right now in the world, we dated for maybe two months. Hmm. Um, we didn't talk for a while after we broke up, but now we have the strongest friendship I've ever had in my life. And you do, and you're ready to not have that with San Diego at all. Well, you know, I just don't want to try if somebody's not going to try the same amount back. Right. You know, it's so just, that's it's when just it's not, not worth, worth it. it. Yeah, exactly. 
I'm very so you you're feeling better now about the breakup than oh, you yeah. were a week ago. Well, you know, I'm very it's proud just, of you because yeah. a week ago you were saying like I, I'm over him. This is about being friends, and the, but I was getting a sense you weren't over him because you were so upset about him not being friends with you. you and know, to me, it was like this guy is not being friends with you. He's yeah. not responding to your texts. You were in LA. He's in San Diego. Right. You don't see each other. In my in my situation, uh, when and you, you break hurt. up, oh, absolutely, yeah, and that sucks for me to be personally. Double this, hurt by someone. This breakup was a very odd breakup. There was no closure. There was no face to face discussion it was all over a phone it was all long distance and there was really no reason as to why he wanted to end oh god so, i hate that. exactly i hate so of people. course you know when you're alone after a breakup and you're thinking the worst you're thinking oh my god i am a horrible person i drove him away i i did this you know so, and really it wasn't me it was you know and it, it took me a long time to figure this out it's him you know he had a lot of baggage and he couldn't commit or whatever and he just didn't want to be the bad guy and say i want to break up i want to point out that that was only two months since you broke up to you got to this point mm-hmm. and so that's awesome because right. i've been there for longer with the only ex that i'm not friends with you know it took a lot of booze to get to this place alcohol is helpful <laughs> you know friends and alcohol oh. is the way to heal yeah <laughs> i don't know if that's <laughs> half of that is the best advice to be giving to people but i think most people can relate i to am that. not i am not a psychiatrist i'm just an <laughs> just honest saying, person <laughs> booze and friendship um i think that is a great place to leave off and that we should yeah um take okay a break. so yeah when we come back we're going to be joined by Stephen lucas uh from jerry mag uh but before we go uh, a few times throughout the season love bites is going to be polling our audience about the kind of relationship topics you want to hear so if you already have a few ideas for what guests we should have on or what discussions we really should have email us at lovebitesradio.com uh tweet or facebook us at at lovebitesradio or even take a sexy selfie and send it to us on Instagram because you know we're both single and we want to see what. Uh, what and our one, of our, looks one like. of our guests coming up is single too, so uh, we're going no, to get to really that one. So, uh, uh, so yeah. Jackie's a little yenta over here. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, now a quick note from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Brian Alberg, and I'm the executive chef at Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts is a casual restaurant where good, honest, uncomplicated food is served to our guests. Our restaurant is part of the hotel called Hotel on North, the newly opened boutique hotel in downtown Pittsfield. We source local ingredients from our neighboring farms and offer an all-day dining menu of flavorful American cuisine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and on weekends we serve brunch. Our oyster bar serves up delicious shellfish and oyster samplers until 11 p.m. Check out our menu at eatonnorth.com and follow us on Instagram. Jerry Mag is a biannual print magazine that explores where food and gay culture intersect, bringing together a community of gay chefs, eaters, artisans, writers, photographers, artists, and industry influencers to celebrate the art of gay domesticity. In the studio today, we have Steve Vixjo, the creative director of Jerry and at and the Brooklyn-based graphic design and branding studio Vixjo. Steven is married and has been with his partner for 14 years now. Uh, Lucas Volger is the editorial director of Jerry and a three-time cookbook author, and he is single. Uh, uh, more for more, visit jerrymag.com or find them on all platforms as at jerrymag. Uh, there's an adorable little girl 
running around outside the studio right now that is making all of us smile. Um, <laughs> the joy of live radio at Heritage behind right. a pizza restaurant. Um, so welcome to Hi the guys. show, guys. Hey. Uh, before we jump into asking you questions, we have a wine sponsor today. So if you guys want to take a sip for me, um, our wine sponsor is the 2014 Dry Rosé from Simi Winery in mm. Sonoma County. It is 82% Cab Sauv, 12% Merlot, 5% Malbec, and 1% Syrah. Um, it comes from all over Alexander Valley, Russian River Valley, things like that. So what are you guys, what are you guys tasting in this rosé, and what would you oh, drink it with? Just deliciousness in a glass is what I'm tasting. Del- deliciousness in a glass? <laughs> it's like <laughs> melony. Melony? Yeah, I would say less. It's not so like, oh, God. That's so like juicy fruit. <laughs> I would say, this would go great with ramen. That's all, that's all I'll say. It would go good with ramen. With ramen. Ramen and a sunset. Ramen and a sunset. Absolutely. So the Sitting 2014 the sun, drinking this. Simi yeah. Rosé is ramen and a sunset. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think it's it's nice and crisp at the end there, and it's got just enough heft that you know, it's, you're not going to float away it's with dry, it. It's dry. Like a, a dry It's dry. Rose. Yeah, it's a nice yeah. dry rosé. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Simi, for getting us a nice and toasty today thank on this you. beautiful 70-degree weather New York City day. Um, so, gentlemen, you have the second issue of your magazine out right now. Everybody go to Jerry Mag and grab it. Um, why start a magazine about the gay food community lifestyle? There's a couple reasons. I think the the first one is that it didn't exist, and it was a magazine that the three of us, um, there's three of Alex, um, who's not here, but Steve, Alex, myself, um, magazine that we wanted to read. It didn't exist, um, even though there's a lot of gay guys that work in the food industry, both in the kitchens and gay media or in food media, um, and just sort of broadly across the food industry. Um, and then there's this great historical precedent for it. A lot of people still don't know. I mean, I'm sure all your listeners do, but that James Beard was a gay guy and um, who was like the forefather of American he's cooking. He's got a house and he's got awards and he's yep. got, yeah, And everything. like Craig Claiborne, yeah. Richard Only. And like, the, I just saw this great documentary about Jeremiah Tower. And like, there's just a lot of really significant um, figures throughout food history that are gay guys. And um, their gayness has always been kind of a footnote to their legacy. And we wanted to create a publication that would, that would um, be a place where you could explore that kind of history and, and push it forward. So what do you feel your contribution in your first two issues has really been to fill that gap? What is your sort of editorial focus for the kind of stories that you want to have out there? Our first one we have, uh, our feature article is by John Birdsall, and it just got a James Beard Award nomination. Uh, We'll find out tomorrow night if it wins. But um, it's uh, called Straight Up Passing the State of the Queer Kitchen. I believe that's the subtitle I'm blanking right now. The State of Queer Chefs in America. The State of Queer Chefs in America. Um, And it it sort of asks this question, why aren't there more out gay chefs? Um, And he does a quick survey of of history and then sort of comes to this conclusion now that a lot of like the chefs um, that are working today have the privilege of being able to pass because there are a lot of like, there are a lot of white guys and there are a lot of sort of straight acting white guys largely because of the culture of the kitchen. But um, that's one of the conclusions that he comes to. And so that's kind of an original thought on the subject that mm-hmm. I hadn't seen articulated or explored. And I think that really is like push the conversation forward. Yeah. It's funny because being somebody who writes often about why there are not more minority executive chefs in the kitchen, I write and report on women and that state of that. I hadn't, honestly, I feel horrible that I hadn't thought about why that lack in executive positions specifically is not highlighted even more. Um, but I think like John, you had a question uh, when we were talking before the show about sort of, how it seems like the gay lifestyle is so assimilated already into the into, kitchen Into now. the food world, yeah. 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 I mean, I think uh, the gay culture lends itself to uh, being able to go out and, and try restaurants and sit and enjoy and, you know. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I mean, I was just, you know, uh, just thinking 
So what kind of contributions yeah. are you guys seeing that you feel like needs to be highlighted as their own, um, as like an individual contribution to food and hospitality? Well, things that weren't already folded into the mainstream that weren't already, you know, there. Well, well I mean, the story is like Lucas, I've heard him describe the magazine many times this way that we had an idea of the kind of stories that we would tell, but it was more important to put it out there that we were looking to create a magazine that explored all content at the intersection of food culture and gay culture and see what came back to us. And we've had a number of contributions. We're getting more and more all the time, which are very exciting. As creative director, I get a lot of art submissions and people have great ideas and things that we would never have necessarily thought of when we were creating the concept a year ago. Um, and a lot of those have come in and have made it definitely through to the magazine. And so it's been more community driven. So they have ideas about, you know, if you pose the question, what is gay food? Or like, we weren't even looking to answer that. We were looking more to answer, ask the question. And a lot has come in, which has been the most exciting part about it. Like in our first issue, we have this great graphic essay by Levi Hastings, who's a, um, he's like, what do you call him? He's an artist, but he he's an illustrator and he does graphic, a lot of graphic comic style in his own personal time. So we wanted him to do something for us, to hire him to do one for us. And he has this story about, so he's married and his husband is not, not out to his Greek mother, but, um, so they go together to go visit his parents and she doesn't realize that she's his son-in-law, but the, the way he's, and you know, right. what she does or doesn't know is, is a kind of like a, sort of subjective in that right. way. But the way that he's gotten to like establish a relationship with her is by cooking with her in the kitchen. So like little stories like that, they're really surprising. Right. Um, that ways. piece was beautiful. And he told this, you know, a whole story arc in one spread, probably maybe 10 panels. And he did it so beautifully. He like was one of the many contributors who managed to hit exactly the kind of content we were looking for and looking to tell in a single spread. Yeah. Uh, so that Levi is amazing. And he has content in our issue too, as well. Why do you feel like there's been sort of a repression of these stories among what I'm going to put air quotes around mainstream media? Uh, well, I think by and large, food media is, uh, and this is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm a big consumer of food media, but it's largely aimed for a f female audience. Ah. Um, so even though this was another, what some of the impetus for creating the magazines, there's, I know that there's all these gay guys that work as photographers, as stylists, as recipe developers, as writers, mm -hmm. um, as critics. And by and large, in, through mo mainstream food media, creating content for um for for women and so i think that it, there just hasn't necessarily been an outlet i think the stories are there but there hasn't really been an outlet for it so speaking of women if i when i look through the masthead of both of your issues there's not a lot of women listed particularly so if you're so are you focusing specifically on the male gay lifestyle or are you going to start incorporating more lesbian women into the mix as well yeah, our tagline is and it's jumping. <laughs> uh, our tagline is men plus food plus men, which right. is a brilliant. And the, and the Jerry that, definition is a man, right? I mean, Jerry uh, means food in in Polari. How did wait? I'm sorry, then I must have misread something completely on your. I thought that a Jer a Jerry was a man who was. Well, we created so the, when we were branding oh, so the you magazine, created the uh, the term that's been in we, my head. I was like, oh, that's just Jari what a Jerry is. Food in Polari, oh. and we've created a Jerry type, which is a man who loves men and food. Gotcha. Um, so we gave Jerry two definitions. Ours was number two, um, and it's becoming the more, much more commonly used definition. So that I already like got that in my head. I think just it's from your looking at all of your platforms, <laughs> like, well, Jerry, that's just what it is. Exactly. Oh, okay, so. So that sort of maybe answers my question. But you do have some women involved in the mix. So how is that going to, is that going to play out or develop further? Well, we have, I mean, we 
are open to all kinds of stories and any type of you know, whatever contributors of of across the whole spectrum. Um, I mean, right now the focus for our audience is we we really want to focus sort of squarely on men, gay men, and food, um, or that being our audience. Um, I think that a magazine being a living, breathing thing, it'll probably evolve a lot as we go forward. But um, we wanted to start out with with that kind of tight focus. Gotcha. Well, let me ask. Let me ask a little maybe. Take it to a darker side. I was going to say, I was like, I think it's time um, to take it yeah, to a place. Yeah, let's go side. there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, working in the industry, a lot of chefs are notorious Lotharios. I mean, they're they're very uh, dominant in the kitchen, and they, Big for the most part, yeah, and, for the most yeah. part, you know, they kind of like throw out their uh, machismo out there. Um, so, you know, is that true for gay chefs as well? I would say absolutely. <laughs> I just took a giant sip of my rosé. Lucas has um, worked in kitchens. I've never worked in one myself, so that's... Yeah, I mean, I think it's part of... Part of the, the culture of it is that it's very isolated. Everybody works really long hours. Yeah. They're super sweaty. They're super exhausted. So it's like when it's time to get laid, you're just going to like reach for whatever. Plus, there's no the, political correctness. No, you know? there isn't. I mean, there's and no PR. It's I a mean, closed-door uh, space. There, yeah. I, I, did, I mentioned it before, but I just saw this great documentary about Jeremiah Tower, who was one of the founding chefs at Chez Panisse, and he went on to open the restaurant Stars in San Francisco, which is sort of a legendary restaurant in the history of American restaurants. And he was just like, yeah, I sleep with everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, Lucas, being single, has that, um, you know, just being... I'm a writer in the industry and there's a, I think flirtation across the board. Like we work in a profession with hospitality and food and culture and art where generally artists are more, they're more friendly, emotional and affectionate. And I've definitely been in situations where I'm like, is this person flirting? I don't know. Like, so how does, when you when you guys bring together all of these different types of artists, and I assume you're also out and about in the, in the culinary world, like how does that come into play with the kind of relationships that you have with the people you're working with. Without naming In names. a romantic nature. <laughs> I'm trying to find what... <laughs> what is, can you just repeat the well, question there? Well, the direct question, I guess, would be if, I were, if somebody were asking me this, would be like, have you slept with you know people in the culinary industry? Yeah. Is there... Are oh, the, sure. Yeah. yeah. So like, are the ins and... I mean, because it, it, I just feel like it's a less... Uh, those lines of professionalism yeah. are a little bit blurrier. There's no... There's, you know, in the, in the food industry, there's no HR department. You right. can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. I mean, within reason. In the right. gay industry, there's no HR department. Either. <laughs> right. so, of the two. Yeah. Well, that's my... Right. Yeah, that, that really is my question is like so is that like i mean gay men are generally much more affectionate than you know straight women say what you're actually sphere. saying Jackie. is it more no is it more gay men is it, are sluts that's what you're saying i don't There's like no the word sluts yeah you won't get i might have done a soapbox segment about women having sex without shame <laughs> so i don't want to use that word but yeah but i mean like is it is it sort of you know that friendly sensual environment to uh you know a higher level in the gay community versus the straight community I would say yes. I mean, I don't know the straight community. It's been you know, nearly 20 years since I've been a part of that. Um, but I would say, yeah, it does seem like in the gay community at large, there's an affection. There's a camaraderie of shared experience that kind of, I think, blurs into other categories yeah. for sure. Well, now, Steve, specifically for you, what's the biggest challenge about being married in your profession? Do you have to you know, put up blocks when well, people are kind of flirting with you? Well, yeah, Dan and I have been together for 14 years and married for five of those. Um, in terms of that, I think that's like when you're married at a certain point, you stop considering there's actual flirtation with the hope of anything. So you just kind of have fun flirting. And I think that's true of both of us. I think that's true of you yeah. know, hetero and gay lifestyle as well. Exactly. And Everybody the relationship we have, you know, that's it's 
uh, honest with each other. So that no one, none of us would have to ever worry that a flirtation meant something else. Aww. So I personally just have fun with it. That's that's very healthy. That's very yeah. good. What is generally the most challenging thing about your relationship right now? Which, as a single person, and my co-hosts are always single people, it sort of makes us feel better to know that it's, the struggle is on the <laughs> yes. other side of that, too. So personally, what is like either just something annoying or like something that's sort of struggling about being with somebody for 14 years that you guys have to sort of... Well, it's, you know, changing together. And so Jari came about uh, more than a year ago at this point, which seems it's hard to believe it's been longer than that. But it's a huge project and all of us have day jobs. And so Jari takes up a lot of time and, you know, that night project ends up, you're almost married to it in a way. So I think the biggest challenge is turning it off um, and being able to sort of like in a moment's notice switch to Jari, switch to personal time. How do you do that? Uh, I have, I'm a creative director and I own my own design business on the side and the, for, as my full-time job. So I feel like I've been doing that for more than a decade. I can just close my laptop and be like, oh, great, I'm done. <laughs> and I can have a major deadline the next day, but I'm able to compartmentalize those things. So I think that's helped me with this, too. I mean, we are on constant three-way texts all day long, every day of content coming up, Instagram stuff, thinking about the magazine. Um, and so being able to know, okay, I, I need to actually turn my phone off because it's the weekend and it's Dan time. Gotcha. And uh, Lucas, so being single both for the men that you work with for Jari and just for our general listening audience, what are you looking for in a gentleman? Oh God, I don't know. I don't, um, I'm, I'm going to like detour that question and say <laughs> one, one thing that surprised me about Jari, cause okay. I, I was really hungry for this community when we started, cause I knew there were all these gay guys and it's like, it's, I feel like a lot of gays, gay guys spend their twenties sort of like hanging out with a bunch of girls until you like find your, your group of, of guys. And Jari is, in my in in some ways like how i've like built more of a gay community but i'm so surprised with jari that they are a very domestic crew it's a really um the guys that are interested in food like are like by and large like coupled gay guys and i don't know what that means about it but i think um, that happens when we all get older anyway too if you're not in your 20s in general in new york city i feel like by your 30s everybody's sort of especially in the food world like you said like people like want to do their nerdy cooking at home and throw dinner parties versus right. going out as late as we might I have. I guess so. Exactly. Yeah. And marriage equality, like achieving that, I think months into the Jari project last year did kind of add a domestic tone to things. And mm-hmm. that just sort of naturally, I don't, maybe it's just that we aged into the domestic, more domestic, you know, dinner party age yeah. group, or that fueled something in the gay community too, to talk more about, Oh, maybe there's something to building a home. Um, and food naturally so comes. Do you with see that. yourself moving more in that direction now? With you know having children and having a home, and you know that's where. No, Dan. Gonna... I said we're very honest with each other. We're very honest in the fact that we don't want kids. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, in terms of building a home and family and sort of nesting in a more. And uh, we had talked about family meal and that the gay agenda in the first issue. Right. Very much like collecting your family of friends, mm-hmm. and we both have wonderful family families. Yeah. Um, but we're at that point in our lives where friends are becoming even closer family knit. Yeah. All right. So, Lucas, I'm not letting you off the hook for this, though. <laughs> so what I mean, so because, you know, again, being single people, we talk about the kind of relationship we really do want to bring into our lives. So not even on a superficial level, but like, what do you want out of, especially since you're the art of gay domesticity is what you guys focus on with your magazine. Like, what do you want your gay domesticity relationship to sort of, you know, I mean, personally, like, like I, I think I've got the domesticity, domesticity thing that like, I have a, I have a beautiful single life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in terms of like the home and everything, I, I'm, I'm most excited about relationships, about traveling and experiencing new things and really like broadening my horizons. So gotcha. like when I'm, when I date people, I'm most excited about 
people who I learned stuff from. Okay. All right. So we'll put that out there. That in is the world. a deep answer. That is a very deep answer. I like it. And I want to see what your house looks like now. <laughs> oh, no, my house isn't like. that nice, but I cook really well and I have nice <laughs> ooh, What's Ooh, what's your like seduction dish? I think I, things that are collaborative. So like I've had dates where we make ravioli together or like pizza's oh. really good. Like you do the dough Four in your play. hands. Yeah, exactly. Like, you do, just like collaborate a little bit. I, th- yeah. I think that like gets things going. I'm going to steal that one. I've never That's made a ravioli on a date. Good. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm, before I'm having a dinner party tonight. You are? No, you're not. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, wait, you're going out with me. What are you doing? Um, all right. So before we let you guys go at the top of the show, uh, I asked John, what's the worst thing he's done on a first date? So will you guys, I know Steve, it's been a while, but if you can think way back, it has, um, do you guys have any bad things you've done on a first date that, well, you know, mine, about. I can't say it's bad because we did end up getting married in the end, Aww. nine years later. But um, he, I was in New York and he was new to New York. And for whatever reason, I thought it was a good idea for a first date for this person who's really very new to New York. Like he moved days. I met him actually on his first day in New York to take him to Veg City Diner, which is now gone. Okay. And it's a, aside from being a diner, which is not a great first date place, <laughs> imposing your... Uh, Eating preference of vegetarian food on a first date is also not recommended, but it worked out for me. So what did he, did he hate what he ate? No, he loved it. And now, you know, 14 years later, he's still eating a lot of vegetarian food. Oh, yeah. oh, so that, I don't know if that counts, but we'll take it. Right. We'll take it because <laughs> it works. You know, so we'll, a we'll, I wouldn't answer, recommend I taking a date to a, fr- a vegetarian a restaurant, restaurant on the first date. Yeah. I have feel, wait, so you're still vegetarian? I'm pescatarian now. Pescatarian. Okay. Uh, John, do you date non do you date vegetarians, John? Uh, I have. Uh, it's 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 difficult. It just takes know. out most of my seduction dishes to yeah, date a vegetarian. Right. <laughs> I have to like come up with a whole you repertoire know. of like third date dishes. Yeah. Uh, all right, Lucas, what about you? I'm Worst kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here, but so I thought of because there's a lot of dates that sort of bleed together. But I when I first started on Grinder, which I'm sure all your listeners know what Grinder oh, was. Course. I don't know what's Grinder, <laughs> but well, Grinder. No, no he's like me. he's like flipping right now. <laughs> I'm on it right now, imagining. actually. Yeah, but I the, like, it, this by. I had this one like hot and heavy weekend of like, oh, this is what everybody's been talking about, and. um I ended up chatting with this guy who was just like too hot for words. It was, and I, and I now know that it was like a stock image of a hot guy, but it was like all these chats and it was like, Oh, let's have dinner tomorrow. I was like, Oh my God, let's have dinner. So like changing all my plans for Monday night and like, you know, just the disappointment of, I guess the, the, the Wait, biggest, no, what happened? nothing happened because Did you actually it was like a, a grinder bot or something. Oh, a catfish. A catfish. Called, yeah. Oh, I just called? heard that okay. term for the first yeah, time. That's I what the kids are right. calling it these days. All yeah. right, well, I got catfished. So you just showed up and nobody was there? <laughs> no, I didn't even show up. It never, oh, it it never, never got, got far got along anywhere. that we, like, it just kind of, like, disappeared. But emotionally, I got very invested That's in it. That's something that that straight men talk about, too. Like, a guy emailed me. He's like, oh, I hope I'm not getting catfished, but blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I had to look it up. You know, like, I don't on, think it, women it's get It's a show on that, MTV. Really. Wait, what does... Really? Uh, yeah. What, can you explain how Basically, somebody uses a fake profile or fake picture or whatever, gets somebody involved, gets somebody drawn in, and, you know, for whatever reason, either just to mess with their minds or, you know, maybe they're just insecure about what they look like. It, it, it varies, but oh, um, basically it's just somebody just screwing with somebody. Yeah. And then it happens. I think, and then I hear from a lot of guys who, a lot of women in other countries who want to, you know, come or what, I don't know. That's what they said. They get a lot of Russian model people. Um, but also just that, yeah, that they'll get sort of, they'll get catfished, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say into a lot of email correspondence that will turn into a relationship that never materializes. Or there's which also I guess was the same thing you experienced, yeah. which I had never heard of until a week this ago. This is like four, four years yeah. ago. And there's also the, the pick collectors. They, they call them the people that just say, Oh, send me a picture, send me a shirtless picture, send me a you know naked picture, whatever. And they just 
you keep sending pictures and they never meet you. They never, really? you know, yeah. They use yeah. them to catfish it's, someone else. Exactly. It's, it's, it's creepy out there. But they're just trading them for... I'm going to teach you so much, Jack. Oh, my mail. goodness. I'm so glad we're going on after this. Well, Steve and Lucas, thank you so much for coming on Thanks, the show. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. you, guys. Listeners, please go to Jerry Mag. Jari Mag. I was saying Jerry before. I feel horrible. Jari Mag. J-A-R-R-Y Mag dot com. And find them on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And we have, um, we're having a release party for our next issue on Wednesday at the Museum of Food and Drink, 630. We've got um, tickets are $20. They include a copy of the magazine, a bunch of cocktails, lots of fun people. Um, more information on our website. Everybody should come. And the Museum of Food and Drink is an awesome space to have a launch party. So yeah. awesome. And these guys are really, really cute. You should come and see them. You should, yeah, definitely come. To, and there's more information <laughs> on lovebitesradio.com and more information on heritageradionetwork.org. Thank you so much. That is our show today. Next week, you'll be hearing from Ben and I in that pre-recorded show about going to an ex's wedding. I have not heard it since we recorded it, and I'm already getting embarrassed about maybe what I said <laughs> as John and I prepare to go to this you wedding. You can always edit. Yeah, so we'll so listen to that next week. Uh, we will. I will be driving back to New York while it happens and listening and cringing. Um, until then, thanks to our engineer, David. Our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion. And we are Jack Warner Pose and Jonathan Wiener. Love Bites will be back at the same time next week here at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.